Well, hello, hello, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Skeptics and Seekers. I'm your host, David the Skeptic, and I am joined this week uh, by a very special guest. I will soon be joined this week by my uh, co-host, David Russell. I am not a good enough editor to make it look like he was here the whole time, and so I'm just not. He's running a little bit late, uh, but he will come in soon. I do have with me, uh, though, our very special guest uh, today, uh, Aaron Aaron, uh, can we use your last name or should we not use your last name? Oh, yeah, go ahead. Okay, because I used it on the blog and I've already published the blog. Uh, So that would be awkward. Uh, Aaron (laughs) Burnett, is that right? Burnett, okay. Like like, uh, Carol Burnett, but but not. Um, (laughs) Though, um, maybe it is. Carol, how you doing? Ghost of uh, Carol Burnett. Uh, Aaron, it's great to uh, hear from you. Uh, you are uh, hailing from where exactly? Well, I'm from Northern Ireland, but I currently live in Scotland. From Ireland, living in Scotland, meaning that she is constantly at war with herself. <laughs> it's not a problem. We all are metaphorically. She just is literally. Um, so that said, uh, welcome to the uh, show uh, Aaron, uh, how did how did you end up on the show? Honestly, I've I've never run across you on um, any discussion boards. Uh, I have not heard your name before two weeks ago. Uh, what what the heck are you doing here? How did how did this happen? What, um, do you remember the process? How, how did you how did you end up from minding your own business to being on Skeptics and Seekers? Well, I think I first found your podcast through the unbelievable podcast with Justin Brarley because I think it was recommended in the similar to section and I listened to it for a bit and I liked it and I noticed that you mentioned spong type Christianity a few times mm-hmm. which is the sort of Christianity I would identify with so, so I thought, which is hmm. to say not Christianity <laughs> <laughs> according to most yeah <laughs> I've met uh, spong um, I've met him once I think I actually met him twice um, my memory's not great, uh, but I I like uh, I like Spawn uh, a lot. I've read uh, most of his books. Uh, there might be one or two uh, that I haven't read, but I really do um, like Spawn as a person. Uh, I admire Spawn as a teacher uh, and and communi- communicator. He's one of the great communicators of our time. Uh, and, um, I, when he's, when he's speaking, he has the kind of presentation of Christianity that makes me nod along and say, yes, yes, that makes sense. That makes so much sense. And then when he stops speaking and then I have to go away and process it on my own, it, it all goes away and I, I can't. I can't read the text the way he reads it anymore. It's, it's like, oh no, wait a minute. It made sense at the time, but no, I don't. How did he get that again? And so it's it's kind of like that with me. Um, tell me, uh, how do you know Spong? What did you read of Spong? What do you think of Spong uh, that that gives you some admiration for his work? So just to clarify, I don't know him personally. I'm not speaking for him. I'm only, I am just a theology student. So I did my undergraduate degree in quite an evangelical college. And instead of just sticking to the approved reading list, 
I ended up reading some more controversial texts, and Spong was one of them. I see. Do you remember what uh, what you read of him first? The first one was Unbelievable, which is his last book, and it's the one that basically summarizes his entire position. Yeah, and, I and then I went back. And then I went back and read some of the other ones, like Jesus for the non-religious. Mm-hmm. But I really liked it because essentially he comes at Christianity with a humanist worldview. Mm-hmm. It's Christianity minus the supernatural. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what I was looking for at that point because I had become I'd become rather disillusioned with, with it all, but I didn't want to walk away entirely. Mm-hmm. And I think Spong... Spong reaches out to that bracket of people who can't stay within evangelicalism, but they don't want to leave the church altogether. So he essentially tries to get the best of both worlds. Mm -hmm. And whether or not that works, well, that's what we can discuss. (laughs) Yeah. So um, Jesus for the non-religious, I want to say that that was my first or second uh, book from Spong. Uh, He really is a, a clever guy. And I can't help but thinking, even even now, uh, in hindsight, that he surely must have some piece of the puzzle uh, correct. Uh, I don't I don't think he's entirely wrong about uh, all of his theses on on scripture. But uh, that said, I couldn't make uh, Spong type religion work for me, and I and I did try very hard. Uh, to do it. And when I came across Spong, I was very much in the uh, evangelical fundamentalist uh, frame of mind at the time. Now, I've always read fairly broadly. And so you talk about things that are not on the uh, approved uh, reading mm-hmm. list. There are, there are a lot of things that are not on the approved <laughs> list, by the way. Um, I have always been one of those people who has sought out that sort of thing. Um I've, I'm not afraid of education. I wasn't afraid of education. And um, even though my particular denomination was a, a little bit uh, what I would call um, anti, anti-education, um, mm. I never have been. Well, not in, I've never been anti-education to the point that I wouldn't read the other perspective. Uh, and it didn't take a lot of reading to realize why <laughs> some of the, uh, the 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 books and authors were on the uh, kind of unofficial no read list. Spong definitely uh, has earned his place on that list. But when I first read Spong, when I first encountered Spong, I wasn't necessarily um, amenable to his way of thinking. Uh, I was still trying to make um, fundamentalism work because for me that was the only form of Christianity so I wasn't really looking for another form of Christianity um, I did want to understand people who had other views uh, but I didn't I didn't take him well the first time I read him and I, I ran into Marcus Borg's work before hmm. Spong I didn't take to him well either um, but I but it grew on me uh, as I, yes, as I, read I, more. I did the same. The, the first time I read him was deliberately to write every single reason why he's wrong and why yes. he's awful. And then eventually it grew on me. Yes. <laughs> so um, <laughs> we, we have some similar, <laughs> we have a similar path there. And um, you, uh, you uh, mentioned in the pre-show that uh, you 
uh, your brand of uh, religion involved uh, charisma, uh, the, uh, some of the charismatic uh, movement. So mine did not. I was never a charismatic. I always thought those people were off their rockers. Uh, so uh, Christian, but not charismatic. Uh, tell me a little bit about your uh, time as a charismatic and uh, maybe, uh, you know, what, what it, whatever you can tell me about what disillusioned you from there. So religiously, I have been all over the shop. So I used to be a real Calvinist fundamentalist when I was a teenager. And when I eventually couldn't stand that anymore, I ended up going towards the charismatic tradition because in contrast to the Calvinist church, which is really quite dull, to be blunt. <laughs> um, the charismatic churches, they seem so like hip and young and cool. So I, I ended up joining one of them during university time. And I, I want to make it very clear from the offset that I am not criticizing the people. I'm criticizing some of the ideas because I'm still good friends with most of them. So they were very big into well, the gifts of the spirit speaking in tongues, healing, words of knowledge. Ooh, co-host. Yeah. <laughs> We've already started the show, Russell. How you doing? I I hear that. I yeah. thought you guys were starting at 9.30 for some reason. Don't know. Oh, you said 9.30. I, I, look, I forgot. I don't know. You might be right. I just, <laughs> I just assumed that everyone's right, and uh, that's fine. Uh, yeah, we've uh, we've begun the show, though. Uh, Aaron, uh, Aaron Burnett has been... Um, catching up the audience on a little bit about who she is and um, her religious journey. Uh, it's been interesting. You should uh, rewind and watch the show again after it's all about it. Because <laughs> it's cool. That's cool. Um, I will. So uh, she was in the process of telling us about some of her uh, charismatic background and kind of how, how she came um, out of that. Go ahead, Erin. Did she, did she tell you in tongues? <laughs> that that might happen later. <laughs> right on. All right. Go ahead, Aaron. Yeah, so for example, I have arthritis. I've always had it since I was a child. And people tried to cure me of it supernaturally quite a few times. Sometimes it was quite mortifying because they'd do it publicly in front of a whole load of people. And it just never worked. I'm still knocking back the steroids because I'm still sick. Um, and some people, it's possible to rationalize it away by saying, oh, it's it wasn't God's will, etc." But to me, it just seemed painfully arbitrary. For example, most of the healings tended to be really nonspecific, like, oh, I had a sore shoulder and now it's better. It was never that a medical defined condition was healed. It was always something really vague. So I think that started me questioning. Um, what else? Also speaking in tongues. It's so never something you, I really be, did. Before you go there, are you familiar with Craig Keener? I have heard of him, but haven't really read any. Okay, so he is um, he is uh, just a, a, a wonderful person, uh, one of the uh, brightest Christian luminaries uh, of our time. 
he's a he's a professor and um, uh, well studied um, uh, academic. He's uh, certainly on the par academically with someone like a William Lane Craig, um, and so uh, I've I've had Craig on the show. Uh, and I really loved uh, talking to him. He is um, the author of a large work uh, on miracles. And so I'm not uh, sure if you're familiar with that work, but it's a two-volume uh, work uh, that came out, oh, I want to say a couple of years ago. Um, and a lot of Christians um, who you know, have been kind of fighting this battle uh, against skeptics like me who say, yeah, but where's your where's your documented evidence of real worthy miracles? They will trot out this uh, work by Keener uh, on miracles. And so I was just wondering if you were familiar with that work or familiar with other works like that, uh, where Christians do claim to have more uh, documented evidence for this. William Lane Craig actually came to speak at our university a few years back. Um, so I haven't read that specific book. I've read similar things. My main problem with all of that stuff, it's always third party. It's always, you know, we would hear stories about these wonderful miracles that happened elsewhere, but it never happened to us. It's always reported second, third hand. Now, I'm not saying it didn't happen. I'm just saying this. It, it, we're so removed from it that there's no way to prove either way that it did. Right, right. I would describe it as um, something happened. I'm not saying that in all of these cases, nothing happened. Something happened and people were affected by it. But we're so far removed from it that we can't know exactly what happened. And even in Craig's book, when I've done as much research uh, as I could, uh, which which admittedly is uh, not a lot, uh, but I've I found people who have reviewed uh, the book and who have gone and tried to follow up with some of the stories, and you know you get a little bit more information. And so some of it is, uh, you know, Craig Craig says that this person um, had a a problem where they couldn't walk uh, at all, and then they were able to walk uh, after uh, you know being prayed for, being healed. But you you dig deeper and you find out, well, actually the person could walk. Uh, they it was just with difficulty and pain, uh, and then the healing was okay. They they uh, could walk a little bit better, but after a while, uh, they had problems again, and they're back in their wheelchair. And it's just kind of an on again, off again in the wheelchair, out of the wheelchair uh, type situation. That's that's the kind of thing that gets uncovered when you dig into these stories deeper. And so it's very hard for me to look at a big book of miracles like uh, Craig's and say, okay, well, we've got some legitimate things here Uh, because it's always stuff that you you can't dig into yourself to see. And when someone does dig in every time. Uh, it ends up with okay. Here's here's a part of the story that you didn't know about. Uh, so it's it's very hard for me to be convinced by things like that. Although I do look into them, I, I listen to the stories. I um you know I, I'm a I'm a sci-fi geek. I would love to hear you know about some legitimate 
thing that happened, uh, you know, beyond nature and what happened. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there. Uh, I just haven't seen it for myself, and so it, it sounds like you have kind of been down that road enough to be skeptical about such claims. Is that fair to say? Yeah, and even if healing takes place, I do think a naturalistic explanation is far more likely. You know, psychosomatic healing is a thing. The mind is more powerful than we give it credit for. So I think that is more likely than divine intervention. Yeah, and there's and there's always the problem of it, but why didn't heal me? Uh, yeah. I think, I think that's, you know, I've been healed, by the way. Um, it, more than on more than one occasion. <laughs> so uh, I'm legally blind. I'm still legally blind, but I've been healed uh, uh, several times. Uh, some as a kid, some as an adult. My parents were not into charismatic stuff, but, you know, we had friends who were. And uh, sometimes they would take me aside and, you know, privately heal me. Uh, you know, may I, may I uh, you know, my parents were always very accommodating when someone would say, look, I, I have a real burden on my heart right now. Uh, God is speaking to me. Uh, we can, we can cure your child of blindness. Okay. They, they were, all, they never said no <laughs> to stuff like that. Uh, and it seems to me that um, if, if it wasn't my time to be healed, that their connection with God would have informed them of that and not set up some kind of expectation of you being healed. You don't try the healing and then later say, oh, well, it didn't work because X, Y, and Z. Well, you should have known X, Y, and Z. <laughs> <laughs> and so I'm thinking that maybe your information is not very good. <laughs> and so it, it is really a problem uh, for people who have gone through healings and yet not experienced uh, the healing. I know this is not the topic of um, today's discussion, but it's it's such a personal uh, topic for me. And we have covered this in like a multi-part <laughs> series and um, huge panels on this on SNS, and it'll happen again. Uh, Russell, did you? Uh, we I don't remember. Were you on this uh, panel uh, of our Miracle Show uh, back in the day? No, no sir. Um, did you have any feedback on this uh, before we actually move on to our topic? I think miracles are what they are supposed to be, something very rare and non-normative. I, 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 I feel her pain because I came from the same background. You know, I mean, have you ever been shotgunned? We call it shotgunned over here in the States where you get, called out, you get called out in the middle I, of I the I tried service to tell you about our gun culture. Up, right? <laughs> so... So they, 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 we call it shotgunning where a preacher or you have a guest speaker that claims to be a prophet come out and he'll, he'll like call you right out, come up for healing or whatever. I mean, we had that all the time, uh, when I was, when I was there and like, like she said, it's a lot of common stuff, you know, like, oh, I can grow your legs out because you have one leg that's shorter than the other one that's causing your back pain. Well, who doesn't have back pain, right? I mean, you have a back, you're going to have back pain, right? And then, like, you're going to, like, mess with people's minds when you're trying to tell them they're, you're growing out their feet or whatever. It's just it, – it, it always made me skeptical, you know, when it came to that stuff. I think if you're going to see a miracle, it's going to be something that's non-normative. It's going to be something rare. And, yeah, I don't <laughs> – uh, but uh, I've gone through it. 
yeah, it's not going to happen on the stage all the time. It's not going to. I mean, there could it could be. I mean, but but I mean, I don't see. It, and plus, I don't see miracles happening over and over again, like the same miracle, right? So like, there's no pattern to it, you know. There's no formula, and that's what these evangelists or prophets or guys that think they're apostles want to do. They want to they want to create this formula. You know, and that's just not how it works. So, I, I've never seen it work that way. We're we're going to have a really good conversation um, today, but I I guarantee you because I know the monsters in the pit. Um, I call our discussion board our comment community the pit. Um, Aaron, you will be introduced to the pit. They're oh, kind of like you. Um, <laughs> these monsters are going to spend the first hundred posts or so talking about miracles. Stop it, people. Stop it. That's not the discussion today. Um, What's well, your fault for bringing it up? It, it's just a part of the journey. It's uh, it, it's an important part of the journey. Uh, I don't want to skip over that. So the journey is actually leading somewhere uh, for the sake of good conversation in the discussion. We're, gonna, we're not going to talk about tongues. We'll just skip that. Uh, let's just say that you had the full charismatic uh experience and you found it uh disillusioning uh, is that is that fair okay but unlike me uh you know i i tried a lot of things i even um, stopped at the door of uh universal unitarian uu um yeah. before before leaving finally but you mm, only kind of halfway left uh, so you you actually I tried a lot of the same things that you tried and somehow some of it caught with you so that you still uh, find the some of the ideas of Christianity compelling. So uh, a question that I asked you earlier, if you want to change your answer, by the way, because uh, we're, we're not going to use any of that. So don't worry about it. No one knows. Um, I want to I want to just start with a simple question. How do you self-identify? Do you identify as Christian, agnostic, or atheist, or something else? Culturally Christian. I think I would also call myself agnostic. So agnostic Christian, just to be awkward. Okay, right. Well, I mean, Irish, Scottish, what do we expect? Um, <laughs> so um, agnostic Christian... Uh, and when I hear that, what I hear is, um, can't be sure if there's a God or not, or if Christianity is true or not, but you find it beneficial to live in that story anyway. Is that, is that fair? Yes. I see it mainly as a cultural phenomenon than a set of supernatural propositions. Okay. All right, so this is this is where things I think start to get interesting, and where we can uh, start having some conversation around this. Um, I want to start with a, a very simple um, round robin type question. Uh, do you? I know I know your answer. <laughs> okay, so I'm not going to ask this of you uh necessary Aaron I'll, I'll let you round this out Russell um yes sir 
first of all, did you get a chance to read my uh, post? No, I did not. No, okay, that's fine. That's yeah, nothing new. Um, um, <laughs> well, it is. It's a whole new. It's a whole new thing. <laughs> no, 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 nothing new. That you, you said haven't... it to me like this morning. <laughs> I only wrote it this morning, man. <laughs> oh God! Strike me up, please. All right. Go ahead. Ask your question, my friend. So that's good. You're coming in this cold. You have absolutely no idea where I'm going. Have no clue. Lovely. Disadvantage. Always on the back foot. That's how I, that's how I like it. Um, of course you do. Because if it was a fair fight, what incentive would I have to actually fight it? <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, this, this question I had to um, think about uh, myself a little bit. Do you believe that fictions, uh, even lies, can be useful. You want to hear my answer fiction. first, so that you so that you're not fictions going into a and goal? lies. I don't know, man. I, I think so. I, I think they that not maybe not lies, but if you're talking about just fictions, they can help you with metaphor and so forth. You know, you know, I believe that. Yeah. Well, so I do too, and I actually would. I actually include lies. I think that lies can be useful too. Yeah, I don't. I don't think so. Okay, not so not you, too much. <laughs> well, it sounds like you're hedging a little bit. Um, no, so. Yeah. Um, I know, you know, you've got some of this Christian baggage going on in your mind. You're thinking, well, lies are bad. God hates lies. All liars will have their part in the lake of fire, which burns. Anyway. Um, but set aside that baggage for a moment and just think about uh, the real world and how it works. Um, you know, maybe uh, it, the one example that I give is just the age-old example of does this dress make me look fat uh the truth is uh yeah uh yeah honey those horizontal stripes are not doing you any favors at all <laughs> so um that might be the truth 90 percent of the time that is the wrong answer uh though because the person is not actually asking for an assessment of fashion they are seeking a compliment they're looking for some reassurance uh and this is apparently someone that you care about and who cares about you and who needs some reinsurance from you because they're feeling um vulnerable uh, in some way the answer is absolutely not you would look beautiful with no dress at all Maybe that's not the right answer. Now that I think about it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> All never, right, David. I've never been good at answering that question. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> some variation of this answer would be the right answer. It's a lie. Well, it depends it's a lie, it, it, but it's it depends, a good lie. David, it depends because no matter what answer you give, may not be the right answer at that time. <laughs> well, sure. You there's can give always the compliment. You can give the compliment and then it would be like, well, what are you saying? <laughs> you know, <laughs> are you saying, are you saying you don't like it? Are you saying you do like it? Yeah. So you like me fat. <laughs> You're just doomed either way. Yeah. You're no, doomed either way sometimes, right? There is yeah. always a possibility of getting it wrong. Uh, and <laughs> so that's, uh, I fully acknowledge that. But uh, sometimes uh, you get it right. And I think with a question like that, it doesn't have to be that question, but with a question like that, the lie is usually the better answer. Um, sometimes it's not. Uh, you know, there's no one size fits all, but you have to look at the situation. Uh, 
and know whether the lie might be better. Another uh, example of this uh, might be uh, in a situation where, you know, maybe maybe you're on a battlefield, maybe it's the military, and, um, you know, someone has stepped on a claymore, and, um, you know, there's, there's a hole in their chest, <laughs> only a fragment of their heart left. And uh, they ask you, with only seconds left to live, how does it look? Is it bad? Your answer should be, oh, no, you're going to be fine. You'll be, you'll be back up <laughs> in, in about 10 minutes. Just hang on, buddy. Uh, there's, that's your answer. <laughs> your answer is not, uh, no, you got about 10 seconds to live. No, I overestimated it. Never mind. Uh, that's... <laughs> <laughs> so um, I think that there are times when outright lies can be useful. Um, they don't have to be malicious. Uh, you know, not, not all lies are malicious. Um, and so in the same way that just a fiction can be useful. Let's say I was trying to tell the truth. But I was wrong about the facts. I was just wrong in my own mind. And so I ended up telling a lie or giving a fiction that was useful. It's the same thing, right? I mean, uh, my intentions hardly matter um, in that situation of whether it was useful or not. Do you see what, Do you see where I'm coming from? I see where you're coming okay. from. I, I don't agree that the lies are okay, but I think you can find any any different way to tell somebody something without lying you, know, you could just explain it differently but anyways okay so but but I, I hear where you're going I hear where you're going so, so go ahead hearing hearing uh, Russell and I um, kind of talk this through for the first time Aaron you clearly fall into a camp of thinking that something that may not be true can be useful. Uh, because it, and to be clear, you're not saying that Christianity is not true. You're saying that you can't know whether it is. Uh, is that is that correct? Yeah. Short of having a time machine, there, there's really no way to know exactly what happened in Judea two thousand years ago. I'm familiar with both sides of the argument, and at the end of the day, I just submit that I don't really know. I think I think being authentic is quite important. So, for example, they did a survey in the Church of England, and they found out that one so one third yeah one third of priests do not believe Jesus literally rose from the dead. I think that in order to not be accused of lying, as it were, they should be open about that. You know, a bit like Spong says, he takes a more metaphorical view that it's just, it's essentially a myth. I think going down that route is a bit more authentic than preaching one thing and believing another. I think that's when we sort of get into lying territory and it's a bit dodgy. So we're, we're going to get into that uh, in a little bit, but I, you know, those poor priests. Um <laughs> You know, because I, I was a preacher for a little while uh, myself, and I, I uh, preached at a congregation as the assistant minister for a while, but I was a, a traveling preacher. I was uh, a guy who 
church is called on to come and uh, preach as a special guest. I was traveling every Sunday or other, uh, going somewhere, you know, lectureship here, gospel meeting there, doing stuff like that. Uh, so I, d- I did that for a while. I was on the circuit, if you will. Uh, and these guys are, um, you know, whether they have absolute conviction in what they are saying, it becomes secondary at some point because this is also their living. Uh, this is what they yes. went to school for. If they went to if they went to school for this, not everyone does, and, it, and that's fine if you don't. Um, by the way, but this is this is their living. This is their livelihood. You know, and um, it's it's as much their livelihood as bricklaying is for someone else. And uh, if you're a bricklayer and you decide, you know what, I think uh, they're probably better building materials than bricks. That's not going to really stop you from being a bricklayer, <laughs> right? But if uh, if you're preaching and you decide, eh, I'm not sure if Jesus rose from the dead or not, that will stop you from earning a living uh, if people know it. And so it's, it's very idealistic to say, well, you know, they should be authentic, but this is their living. Uh, that we're talking about and it's they find ways to work out in their mind how they can preach a message and maybe it's metaphorical in their mind but they still make a living doing it and it's I I just find it having been there that it's almost unreasonable to expect that a person is going to start um, expressing their doubts out out loud when their living is to preach a positive message um, it, I'm not saying no one can do it, but by and large, it can't be done. Uh, it's done after people have retired, you know, and then they might talk about it. Um, and Catholic priests, uh, sometimes they lose their faith in, um, in seminary. What else, what else are they going to do at that point, though? <laughs> you know, the, all of the money has been spent for them to learn this thing. They've they've all they're already in fourth year Latin. What are you gonna do with Latin? Uh you're gonna <laughs> you know. Um so I understand why there are a lot of atheist priests uh out there. And I and I get the struggle because when I was preaching, I had some doubts too, but I didn't I didn't let those doubts stop me from doing my job. I do think this is an area where there is a big difference between Europe and America. I think we spoke about this a bit off mic. So in Europe, I think it is more, it's definitely not the majority, but it's certainly more acceptable to be a paid priest and have these sorts of metaphorical views of the gospel. For example, in the Netherlands, I read a statistic that one in six ministers of the Protestant Church of the Netherlands are openly agnostic and they don't get sacked because that's just the culture of that denomination. Likewise, in the Diocese of Edinburgh, where I live now, they once had a bishop who was pretty much agnostic. So I do think it is easier to be openly a spong type Christian in Europe than it ever would be in America. What uh, what what are your thoughts on that, Russell? Um, could a person? No, she's right. She's right. The yeah. the culture's totally different there. You know. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, that's I just know all there is to it. I know that you're kind of um, closer to the neck of the woods where I um, spent most of my formative years. Uh, it would be impossible there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely. Yeah. You wouldn't get. You wouldn't be able to preach anymore. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, I mean, there's all the all, always those you know like Crossan and and those Jesus mm-hmm. Summit archives. You know, I mean, but they're not preaching. They're they're researching and doing other things. It's not like they're preaching at churches, you know, right. but as far as a, a actual pastor or something, you're not, you're not getting, you're not getting in any, anywhere in America, you know? So let's, let's look at some of um, the things that um, you believe versus uh, don't believe right now, because even though you say you don't have a time machine, Aaron, and you can't go back um, 2000 years to see what happened uh, as humans, we still tend to believe things and not believe things. And it's not even a matter of choice. You're either convinced that something happened or you're not convinced that something happened. And uh, maybe the right thing to do is just be neutral about it. But neutrality is not really natural to humans. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. life, is, life is binary. You know, you're standing at the street crossing. Uh, let's say there's no traffic light uh, or, or crosswalk at the street. A lot of lot of that in America. <laughs> so you've got to go across the street. The store is over there. Uh, the store has a bathroom. You've got to go to the bathroom. You're going across that street, most likely. Um, should you cross right now? Should you not? You know, there are cars here and there. You look and you think there's space. And you never know for sure, right? But it's a binary decision. You either go or you don't go. <laughs> so there's no, there's no room for... Um, you know, kind of 60% going, <laughs> you're going to, you're going to have to go whether you want to or not, uh, or not go. Um, and I think that our beliefs are like that too. Uh, we, you know, maybe we look at the odds and say, eh, you know, the odds don't really favor, uh, that I had an alien abduction, but I know what I felt. I was abducted by aliens. Um, and so what do you, what are some of the things that you, actually believe and actually don't believe regarding Christianity. So I'm just going to throw a couple of things out there and and just uh, give me as brief of a believe or don't believe as you can. This is unfair. I, I know that. It's the skeptics and seekers. We're never fair. Always entertaining. Um, version birth. Believe or don't believe? Don't believe. And I could give a whole spiel about why, but do you just want a simple one word answer? Don't care about the spiel at all. Okay, fine. (laughs) Don't believe. Okay. Uh, Let me, let me, let me go back uh, one then since we didn't do, uh, didn't make it to virgin birth. Uh, Jesus existed. Believe or don't believe? Believe. Oh my, that was a very long pause. (laughs) <laughs> You're going to have to explain that pause a little bit. <laughs> is it a really convinced believe? Is it a reluctant believe? What are, what are we, what? I think the only reason why I pause is that I've never read a book by the Jesus mythicists. So I haven't really looked at both sides of the argument to make a proper decision, but I think generally the vast majority of historians tend to believe that, yes, he existed. So I'll take that word for it, basically. Okay. Okay. 
Um, believe existed, do, does not believe uh, in version birth. Uh, let me uh, ask this one then. This would be important to some small uh, number of people in the audience. Jesus had actual brothers and sisters. Believe, don't believe. Probably believe, yeah. Okay. Very few people were only children back then. Okay. All right. Um, good. Uh, Jesus had a uh, either one year or three year ministry. I'm not uh, interested in the various debates about that, but he had he had some significant ministry on earth where he preached uh, about the kingdom of heaven being near at hand. Believe or don't believe. Believe. Okay. Uh, Jesus was crucified uh, by the Jews slash Romans. Believe or don't believe? Well, by the Romans, yeah, believe. Okay. But not the Jews. Well, the Jews didn't do crucifixion. Now, they may have handed him over to be crucified, but they weren't the ones doing the crucifixion. That was okay. the Romans' job. Okay, but if not, according to the story, if not for the Jews, he wouldn't have been crucified. Is, is that correct? Again, I probably haven't read enough. I think he probably would have riled the suspicion of the Roman Empire anyway. Mm -hmm. his, he probably would have been accused of political uprising or something like that. Okay. Um, Let's move on. He was buried in a uh, a new tomb, uh, as opposed to a common pit. Believe or don't believe? Actually, reading a book about that at the minute, um, I can give you a proper opinion when I finish. But I think at the minute, it's looking more likely that don't believe. Okay. Interesting. Interesting. Uh, there goes the empty tomb. Uh, okay. Uh, rose from the dead. Believe, don't believe. Okay, I'm going to be difficult. Define what you mean by raised from the dead. <laughs> <laughs> Scots. Um, anyway. <laughs> uh, Russell, what do I mean by rose from the dead? <laughs> Do you mean his corpse literally stood up and walked out of the grave? Yeah, he's talking about bodily resurrection. He's bodily just, resurrection, okay. Yeah. Probably not. But not absolutely not. I can't, I'm, I'm probably, the honest answer probably to every single one of these questions is I don't know. Right, but you're, you know, we're, we're finding out about your leanings. Um, mm. Yeah, I mean, look, you could you could say of all of us, we don't know. Uh, but yeah. I can, but I can give you an answer of believe or not believe. <laughs> okay, fine. Not believe. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Um, so then there's no need of asking about, uh, appearances to, uh, the 12 and the 500, uh, other people and things like that. But let me, uh, let me just rebake that question a little bit. It was said that, uh, his disciples, uh, saw him risen later, and that uh, as many as 500 people at one time saw him uh, rise later, and that uh, Paul uh, says that he, you know, saw him risen later. Uh, so we have people at least claiming 
some experience of having seen God? Do you believe that they were being honest about those claims or not? And and what he means is there's post-mortem, uh, you know, appearances. <laughs> I, 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 de I definitely believe they had an experience in which they saw him or else Christianity wouldn't have taken off. I would just look at a more naturalistic explanation than a supernatural one. But no, I definitely think a good amount of the disciples genuinely believed that they did see him. Right. Okay. So that is, so you don't believe they actually saw him, but you do believe that they were being honest with their accounts. Is, is that a... Yes. Okay. All right. Um, so, great. I think that a lot of people who are Christian would probably not consider you Christian, but you are actually um, very similar uh, in thought to a lot of people I know uh, who are Christians. And I, I, for one, would not say that you are not a Christian because you don't believe certain things literally. I just know too many people like you uh, these days, and they would, they would balk at that. Um, it depends how you define Christian. If you mm -hmm. define Christian by must believe in every point of the Nicene Creed, then I'm not a Christian. Mm -hmm. <laughs> if you define it in a more cultural sense than I am. Okay. But uh, did you mention that you're going to a theological, you're studying theology right now? I am, yeah. I'm currently doing a postgrad in chaplaincy, mm -hmm. and I would very much love to be a chaplain. The only thing is, I know that I'm probably committing career suicide by doing conversations like this, but oh well. Well, uh, I think that you would make a very good chaplain in Europe. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so uh, I'm I, not coming I, to America. You're right. No, th <laughs> that would that would just be committing suicide, not <laughs> just career yep. suicide. Um, Unless she found a sugar daddy. Well, <laughs> <laughs> so another Americanism we are not going to talk about. Um, so yeah, no, I I actually don't think that you would uh, be harming your chaplaincy uh, where you are. Yeah. So. I don't even honestly. I don't think she would have a problem here, in a sense. I, I agree. There, there she are could start. She could start her own thing. Yeah, she could start her own thing and and you know, publicize that way. And yeah. Okay, so when you say you're a cultural Christian, you do realize that that's still encouraging, um, this belief in <sighs> ideas that you don't necessarily believe. Are you saying there's a problem with lying, David? Well, I actually don't. <laughs> Didn't have he a, just say it was okay? Just I a don't have ago. a problem with lying. I'm just trying to. I'm just trying to set the table. When it, you, as a, you know, and I, I ask the same thing about cultural Christians. Uh, whenever I get a chance to talk to them, and I've, I've met quite a few, you don't necessarily believe some of the things that. Um, are important to Christians, but you side with Christians and thus give it um, a, a make it more viable uh, with your support of it. Um, does that does that make sense? Uh, you're you're supporting a thing that's factually not true. Does that bother you? I think the way I see it is that Christianity should be a way of life as opposed to a set of propositions. 
So to emulate the way of Jesus is simply to, well, create an inclusive community where all are welcome. And I think the kingdom of God is an example of that. Speaking out about injustice, etc. And there's also the church rituals, which are quite nice. Um, to be honest, I don't really mind what people believe. I just want them to be aware that they have options. I think too often it's too binary. You, you're either a hundred percent biblical literalist or you're a hundred percent atheist. I just want people to know that there is an in-between position if that is what they want. Okay. So, in, but in order to do that, you still have to have some things that you believe literally. Uh, right. So, for instance, being a cultural Christian wouldn't make sense if you didn't believe literally that there was a Jesus. You know, so you, you have to at least believe that uh, you have to believe that Jesus said and taught certain things literally in order for that to make sense. If you're going to say, well, you have to, you know, live, live like Jesus. You have to think that you knew know how he lived and, you know, follow these common sense teachings and you have to feel like you know what his teachings were. So what gives you confidence that you know those things? Again, at the end of the day, there's no way of telling exactly what came out of Jesus' mouth and what was added later. We really don't know. And I suppose that's what the Jesus seminar people were doing, trying to find out exactly what Jesus actually said. I think at heart, I'm a utilitarian. So if the sayings of Jesus, if following them ensures the greatest amount of happiness for the greatest amount of people, then go for it. Okay, so uh, that's a little bit like Jediism. <laughs> well, I, look, I'm not trying to, to diminish it, but it's uh, everyone knows that there are no Jedis. Uh, the Jedis know that there are no Jedis. But they would also say, but... This is what the Jedi stand for. This, these are the these are the ideals uh, that you know make uh, humanity better. And uh, so, whether there were Jedi's or not who said these things or not, these ideals uh, that we associate with Jedi's uh, are good, and so we we support that. Uh, is that kind of how you're treating Christianity? Yeah, it might be useful to think of it like an art form. So art you know, stories, novels and the like, they're not true. They don't even pretend to be true, but they're still profoundly useful. Like I think in your blog, you use Spider-Man as an example. Yes, you know, I'm a, I'm a Spider-Manist. You don't need to believe that Spider-Man literally exists to get meaning and enjoyment and fulfillment out of watching the Spider-Man films. But to be clear, he did exist. Okay, fine. <laughs> no. Whatever. <laughs> no, but he exists in my heart. Um, so uh, yeah, no, so I, I just I proved your point. Thank you. Yeah, so, right. So I can I can follow that. I just want to make sure um, that I'm that I'm not miscategorizing you um, at all. So I. Uh, I do believe that you can have useful fictions. And so let's just take all of the, the, 
ideas of, of Christianity that we talked about and others. And let's presume for a minute, this is going to be tough for Russell. Russell, just ride with me for a minute. Let's just presume that they are, in fact, fiction, that, that all of the tenets of the Christian faith are fiction. That does not give me the problem that you you think it was, because I'm 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 kind of in your frame of thought here right now. Uh, it doesn't matter whether the things happened or not. The question that I want to examine uh, is whether they are actually useful or not, mm-hmm. because there are useful fictions and harmful fictions, mm-hmm. uh, and. You know, that's oversimplifying things a little bit. But I, I think that you kind of know where I'm coming from there. And so I'm just I'm just interested in having a little bit of discussion, not just here, but also on the board. So commenters, now you can start your keyboard warrioring. <laughs> this is what I want to talk about. Um, are Get the that grinder fiction- going. <laughs> are the fictions of Christianity, once again, we're assuming that they're fictions for the for the sake of this discussion, Russell. Um, uh, are they actually useful? Uh, so uh, I, I pulled up a, a few from the blog, and I just want to start with uh, some of those and maybe have a little bit of crosstalk with Russell and I and then have you weigh in on it, uh, Aaron. Is that okay? Yep. So, Russell, uh, one of the uh, fictions would be in the beginning God created. Once again, assuming that's fiction, just let's just assume it. Um, I would argue that that is a harmful fiction because why? Okay, uh, it's, it's a fair question. That's why we're having this discussion. Um, I think it's a harmful fiction uh, because it, for many, forecloses on and for others puts a stumbling block in front of what is actually true. And so if what you really want to find out uh, about is human origin and uh, information about how the universe came about and how it works uh, and what we can do to uh, use nature and manipulate it to to create a, a better future, then you have to start with accurate information. Uh, about how it worked. And if you start with something that's nice and comforting, uh, that doesn't allow any further examination, such as God did it, then I think that you uh, foreclose on the human project of discovery, or or at least poison that well uh, for a very long time if you start off with uh, false information. So if God created is false, it's very harmful, not useful. It depends on what depends on. And I think Aaron might agree on this is is like there's a broad range in how to use it as useful. Have you listened to Don Cupid or any any of those people? Uh, Borg, Don, Cupid. Don Cupid. I know she has my favorites. <laughs> I, OK, so it, you got to listen to Don Cupid to really understand what he means by this is a useful fiction, because mm-hmm. as you're looking at it, David, you're being very narrow minded right now. <laughs> you're looking at it as one way but there's a several ways to uh look at it as being useful so i don't think that as far as i don't think there's just one way of looking at it from aaron's standpoint it, it, yeah if, if i was trying to force on society that in the beginning god created as a means to understand the natural world then, then yeah i'd agree with you but there's several ways to look at that 
Well, show me, what, a, way, show what me, way, show me a way of way. looking at it where it's not harmful. Well, for example, That's- Spong, we'll keep bringing up Spong. He says the creation story is simply ancient people trying to make sense of their place in the world. It's not a scientific textbook. And we shouldn't treat it as a scientific textbook because that's where the problems come in. Okay, but how is that useful? Because if what they want to do is understand, it understand place, our ancestors. No, well, yes, yeah. I, I, I I'll give you that. <laughs> it helps us understand so. our ancestors, but our ancestors didn't understand their place in the world. So if the goal is to help you understand your place in the world, then any fiction at that point is not useful. It's well, it's no, because to understand your place in the world, you have to you have to understand where your ancestors came from. You need to understand where your history came from. So, I mean, to get to where you need to get, you need to understand where you're coming. Right. You know, and so that helps us. From. We can get that benefit, but they can't get that benefit because they weren't trying to understand their ancestors. They were trying to understand uh, true things about the world. Yeah, but we're talking about us right now, right? I mean, you're saying, how's it useful now? I mean, I'm not saying it was useful back then. Who knows uh, uh, if it's if it's false? I'm just going to play devil's advocate here. Um, who is to know what they were going through and what they were doing to say that it wasn't useful for them? Maybe they were trying. Maybe it was useful to them to understand many different aspects. Maybe it was useful for them to have a polemic that would help better their society. Who knows, David? If it contributed to their well-being, what are you complaining about? Well, but I don't know that we can say it did contribute to their well-being, though. That's you, you can't you can't prove it, but we're also in fiction land right now where we're already <laughs> we're already assuming that it is fiction. And if it is fiction, then we can kind of play the what ifs in, in, in any aspect. From your aspect, you don't think it was. From me and Aaron's aspect, I could say it could have been. Well, I actually made a a, a case for why it's harmful, and you didn't really make a case for why it's useful, so I win. Um, No, no, don't even go there. We did, too. We gave you several plausible explanations for you. The Garden of Eden story, at its most basic level, proves that our ancient ancestors were able to realize something is wrong with this world. We have the potential to make it better. That's that's it. Yeah. Right. And so I would actually call Another that Another alternative. <laughs> that's that the very case you just made, Aaron, is a case that I, I think I make a little bit later. Uh, in fact, my next um, uh, my next piece here. Uh, the idea that there's something wrong with the world. Stop right there. Uh, all religions begin with a. Um, with two points of agreement. There's something wrong with the world and there's something wrong with us. And then the rest of the religion is about what do you do about it? Uh, But I disagree with that fundamentally. Uh, And these types of stories perpetuate this idea that there's something wrong with the world and that there's something wrong with us. And I would argue there, there's absolutely nothing wrong with the world. It, It is exactly what it should be. And there is absolutely nothing wrong with us. We are humans. There's nothing wrong with being humans. We are exactly what we should be. Uh, And you might have this fantasy that, uh, you know, there could be a better world and that we could be a better type of person than human. But I actually don't think that that's necessarily a benefit if it causes us to deny 
uh, the reality of what we are and where we are. This world is not broken. We are we have not fallen from the angels. We came up from the slime, uh, and so we're doing pretty good. Uh, and you only you only get certain. Um, harmful views about the world and humanity when you start thinking, oh, well, there's something wrong with us fundamentally. And I think that that is, in fact, what these religious stories perpetuate. Well, obviously, I'm not a Calvinist anymore, so I'm not preaching total depravity. But surely the history of human development is humans progressing and getting better as we go along. You know, we shouldn't just stagnate. We should always try to be better right. for the but, sake of our children and grandchildren. To, but we don't have to start with a foundation of we're fundamentally broken before we can improve. Yeah, we don't have to start there. We can if we wish. <laughs> okay, <laughs> sure you can. You're you're a terrible, wretched sinner. Uh, you know, get better from there. Um, you know, I I do think that that's uh, fairly harmful, but that does push me into the the next piece, which we've actually started arguing: uh, sin and redemption. Um, so the idea of sin is an idea of fallenness, of brokenness. That there is this ideal. Uh, that this ideal being holds, and sin is us falling short of that ideal. It is falling short of what we were made to be somehow. Uh, and redemption is the idea that from some outside source, the same being, uh, we have a chance to um, uh, to overcome uh, that uh, that sin that that imperfection that causes us to fall short. So how is this a beneficial story? Or would you like me to start by uh, telling you how I think it's harmful? I think it's probably self-evident how it can be harmful if you take it to extremes and make people feel like they're pieces of dirt. (laughs) David starts from the extreme. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I I like to start from the beginning uh, when possible. And so if you tell a person that um, you were a special creation by a perfect being, but you, through your ancestors, fucked it up. You blew it. You blew it, and, and you so offended this being. You caused this separation that brought down the universe. I mean, it's not just you. The universe is now groaning and yearning with all of its problems because of you. The stars don't work right. Uh, Weather doesn't work right. DNA doesn't work right because you screwed it up. How, you know, this is the starting point. This is this is the message of Christianity. You can't give the good news of Christianity without establishing the bad news of how we felt. And so I, I, you know, th- that that may sound like some kind of extreme message, but that's the basic Christian message. That is the Christian starting point. Um, you know, we don't start with God loves you. We start with you messed up and you've got this problem and you've got to get it fixed. Oh, in the, you know, more bad news. You can't fix it. You need this God to fix it for you. Um, and so th- I think this is terribly damaging. Um and and I don't I don't know how you present the gospel in a way other than that. But you know, convince me, Russell. 
Why me? I'm not, <laughs> you you're know? a smart guy. You're wearing the you're wearing the, um, the hat. Okay, okay. So okay. Let, let's go with what Aaron said first, and let's tie her in here because this is supposed to be her interview. <laughs> well, yeah. So but I, you know, yeah, but uh, like I, know, I said, I know. You're, you're wearing the cool fun, hat, man. Uh, so you're gonna be called on. <laughs> oh no, she's got better earphones than I do. <laughs> but uh, anyways, anyways, and I'm still mad that you haven't personalized that patch yet, dude. You know what I've. I, I I'm going I'm, to send you a sticker to put on there. <laughs> Since you it. won't do it. <clears throat> All right. So, so as Aaron was saying earlier, you know, uh, about the Garden of Eden and stuff like that, I think that, that you know, and, and how people look uh, for answers to why their family members died and why, uh, you know, why things are the way they are in this world and trying to make sense of it, they came up with what they came up with if it's fiction uh they could have evolved that way they could have evolved to 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 and that could have helped them survive you know i mean there could be several different ways you can look at this david in the spectrum and you got to be open to them at least open-minded to them uh to to really appreciate the, their value um so i do think that uh like so humans obviously said okay there's something wrong with people coming into our camp and killing our children right so they you know so okay so why why is that why how do we make sense of that why do people do the things they do or why does the earth seem to get us sick and kill our our young and our old and whoever in between you know why do we have to kill to stay alive animals and eat them and and you know okay so they they add all this up and they come up with a a reflective story of it and it helps them to survive it helps us to cope so i mean coming up with things like total depravity depravity and the use of redemption could very well come from the mass uh killings that they bear witness to or the mass uh uh you know, death that they that they experienced on a regular basis, or and, and redemption of that. Hey, I will see that loved one again. You know, so it could be useful in that way. So I mean, I don't see where it, it's. I see where it's a problem from your standpoint, David, because you're really looking at this from that. I have this axe to grind with God, and you know, <laughs> but I and I am kind of being facetious and joking with you a little bit. So. Well, okay. So I appreciate no, I like your I appreciate your perspective, but before bringing yeah. uh, Aaron back in, I also want to make sure that it's not just the sin part, the look around at the universe, you broke it, uh, guilt trip part. Uh, it's also the solution that I think is a problem, which is you need this alien being uh, to be whole again, uh, and so that leaves humanity in a kind of a hopeless position um from my perspective you know you've got you've got this problem that you've got this problem that you can't fix and you need this outsider um magical being to fix it and i think that uh humans would be much better off if they weren't spending so much time waiting for outside magical beings to fix their problems david uh, david are you a star trek fan Absolutely. I am. Absolutely. Okay. Well, I've got this. This. This is just not an apologetics area. I have Star Trek ships and nice. Star Trek everything over here. Look, I'm, I'm just gonna pick it up and show you. Okay. I have Star Trek everything. 
Okay. Over like here, it. I've got Star Trek stuff. I got a Romulan Warbird hanging out in the background. I've got everything, man. I, I've got plates. You know, I used to I'm, have a I'm uniform. Huge. I'm a huge. I, I still do. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I still wear it on Halloween sometimes. Um, so happy Halloween, guys. Um, but, okay, so I'm a huge Star Trek fan. And look at the useful fiction in that. I mean, they, they addressed cultural issues with it. The Vulcans, they basically came down and redeemed us to the galaxy. You know, I mean, there's yeah. and you love Star Trek. So, I mean, I do, but I'm not I'm not story. I'm not fond of the Vulcans. A, a, I'm not fond of the <laughs> I'm not fond of the logic. idea. No, I, I'm not fond here, of the, the idea problem, of these alien the creatures had to save us. The but fact is. The it's you. You think Star Trek is a useful fiction, right? You think it's good, a, a good show. You like it. Yeah, I so I mean, that's what it comes down to. People might prefer this ver, uh, uh, this version of the story versus a supernatural version of the story versus a sci sci-fi version of the story, right, Aaron? Am, am I am I getting close? Yeah. Well, just yeah, a, just a second, Aaron. But just to address the whole Star <laughs> Trek thing, my problem with the the ethos around it is we had um our uh, our inventor uh what's his name uh, the uh, the warp drive inventor um cochran cochran we had zephyr cochran um uh, inventing a warp drive for very human reasons <laughs> in in a in a very human environment uh and he did it and he was successful and it would have been a far more interesting story to me if humanity from that event could have said, oh, consider the possibilities. Let's see if we can work together to, to make this even better. But no, humans didn't bring about uh, their utopia. Aliens brought about their utopia because when they saw this thing, then they said, OK, now we can go make first contact and set these people straight. This is the problem with um, the Star Trek universe for me. No, it's it, not. Well, well, no, I mean, it is the problem for me. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, yeah. You, may, you may not think you it's, a it's a problem. I was like, well, David, if you think about it, you know, it's just giving us this idea that helping one another and working together is a good thing. Right. But it also gives the idea that as humans, we can never do it on our own. We can never get there. And this is part of the problem with the God story. As humans, we can never do it. We need this outside uh creature to be able to do it and i think that ultimately stunts our our growth and potential when we think that the only way out is for someone uh outside and magical to help us do it aaron uh, david and i could argue with, about this all day <laughs> um uh, but but um now that you have seen the you know the the, the pattern of our thoughts here what what say you I think what I'd say is that religion, Christianity in particular, like any other human phenomena, is continuously evolving. It shouldn't stay the same. And I think that's the problem that a lot of the radical theologians have, is that Christianity still retains Bronze Age views of the world. Christianity must continuously change in order to be relevant and useful in the modern world. So, for example, the redemption story, or even God itself, People like Don Cupid and John Spong and them lot have pretty much dispensed with the idea of God being a creature who is out there. They pretty much take that verse, God is love, and run with it. 
and take it extremely seriously in that when we worship God, we are literally just worshiping the phenomenon of love. Sin is anything that is not acting lovingly and therefore redemption, what we need to do is basically not be a jerk to each other. Essentially, it becomes humanism, which I know a lot of evangelical Christians would have a massive problem with, but that's what it boils down to. So I would agree with you that the Bronze Age ideas of humans being totally depraved and being punished by a capricious God, that is harmful. And that is why we need to move Christianity away from these ideas. So I will just say that um, as you were speaking, I heard the voice of uh, two of our regular commenters uh, on the board, uh, Brian with an I and uh, Peter. Uh, so I suspect that they will have a few things to say uh, about that. They're going, they're going to really like you. Um, you, just, you just spoke for them. Though there are also two people who notoriously refuse to come onto the show. <laughs> so <laughs> I feel like I just had a moment of those. So for the sake of um, time, I've got a few others, but I'm, I'm going to give you a list and I'll let you choose the one okay. part that we'll cover. Okay. Okay. Um, and in fact, if you have my blog in front of you, you know the list I'm going to give you. Um, God miraculously intervenes. We can do that one. Or Jesus rose from the dead. I veto that one. Um, or uh, you will live forever. So God miraculously intervenes or you will live forever. Which one of those propositions would you like me to tackle as the last uh, proposition? I suppose let's look at living forever. You haven't okay. really touched in the afterlife that much. Okay. All right. Very good. Um, I think this is a, a terrible. <laughs> I think this is a terrible um, idea uh, that that causes a lot of harm. Um, I think the worst harm that comes from the idea that you're ultimately going to live forever is that it devalues the life you're living now. Uh, so it treats the life you have now as a dress rehearsal. You know, you, you, you run the gauntlet here and you make it then you get to live the real life later. And Christians will say, ah, but doesn't that make this life even more important? No, it really doesn't. It, it makes this life almost a footnote for your eternity because it's the eternity that we're living for. Um, so if you believe that, uh, just as an example, this earth is going to be uh, burned up and thrown into, you know, the, you know, whatever hell Jesus talks about when he says that sort of thing. Um, then you have less incentive to care about this planet uh, as an environment, as a habitat. Christians sing songs like, this world is not my home. I'm just passing through. How much do you care about places where you're just passing through? You know, what you care about is home. Um, 
Jesus says things like, uh, don't store up treasures here on earth, rather lay up treasures uh, for heaven, where moth uh, nor rust corrupts. But so what are you supposed to think about treasures here? You see, it uh, talk, of, talk of eternity somewhere else devalues uh, what you have right here. And I think that uh, the history of Christianity, I don't have time to, to really develop this theme, so I shouldn't even say it because I'm just going to have to say it and run. Um, I, I suspect that a lot of people will challenge me on this this week and I'm going to have, not have time. But I think in large part of Christ, uh, history of Christianity and of religion is devaluing um, the world and has had a very destructive legacy uh, to this world and this life that we live in. It's the kind of thing that um, says slaves should be content uh, because you know, they're going to have a better place somewhere else. Well, no, this is the life. And do not do not give up your life being content being someone else's slave. Um, if we understand that this is the only life we have, such, such nonsense would have never uh, been allowed to perpetuate. Um, environmentalism, uh, we can't destroy the earth. The earth is God's gift to us. And when it's time to give it up, he's going to destroy it. We shouldn't be worshiping the created. We should worship the creator. Um, but this is, this is our only place. It's here and now. And if you don't think that, don't tell me that's not going to affect your behavior. Uh, it, it will. So, uh, yeah, I could, I think I could go on, but I think that almost everything that comes from the idea that we're going to live forever and that this life is not the one that uh, really matters is harmful. So, yeah, I, I would, well, no, I would agree that certain interpretations like that are harmful because it essentially makes this life pretty useless. I think there are other teachings of Christianity that are way more useful. So, for example, Jesus talked a lot about building the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. So instead of just sitting about waiting to die, basically, we have a task to do right now, which is to make this world like heaven, to try and make it as good as we can. So I do think Christianity can't be interpreted that way to be an inherently practical and useful force for good. Yeah, David, I, I just back her. I mean, it's a different of interpretation at that point. If you already, if we're already in the in the realm of fiction, then like your your whole idea with uh, being content, you know, with what you have, and and your whole ideas of treasures, you know, I think you know, a good interpretation of that is be content with what you have, because if we overindulge, and this is one from one of my favorite Europeans said this, uh, Gordon Ramsay, he says, <laughs> overindulgence is a bad thing. Okay. If you overindulge, you, you know, bad things you can would, happen. So, so Ramsey. he, 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 <laughs> yes. And he holds that to his dietary things, you know, so he doesn't, uh, you know, he doesn't, let his kids eat fried chicken every night. You know what I mean? Because overindulgence is bad. You know, it, it can become harmful. So if you, you know, take things in moderation, you know, that's that's another interpretation that you can glean from those ideas of of treasure and stuff like that. And, and like I said, it, it comes down to interpretation at that point. Yeah, um, there's, sorry. No, go ahead, Darren. I was going to say, yeah, 
with every single point in Christianity, there are millions of different interpretations. And that's where I think utilitarianism should come in. Take whichever interpretation causes the most happiness for the most amount of people. I think it can be that simple. This has been a delightful conversation. Uh, David, David you're okay too. Um, yeah, but David, David, before we go, Aaron, did you get my email? Aaron did want to uh, cover a couple, a couple things, and I promised her we would. Okay, I I did not see that, but I was what okay. I was going to do is give everyone a chance to kind of uh, round off and say the things that they did not get to say here, and kind of a, a a closing, unchallenged statement, if you will. Uh, so one of the one of my favorite things about Skeptics and Seekers, after we have uh, debated and bickered for a while, um, you you still get a chance to say something where no one can <laughs> push back. <laughs> so you get you get you get the the last chance to uh, make your case, if you will. So, uh, Aaron, uh, I'd love to hear from uh, you. And uh, also, I'm just going to say at this point, I hope that you will agree to come back uh, on the show. Um, there, I feel like there's so much that we haven't explored and I uh, would love to have you around uh, on some of the roundtables that we do to talk about some of the other topics that we've only touched on now. Uh, so uh, with that uh, said, uh, I expect nothing less than a truly delightful uh, closing thought from you and I now give you the floor to make it. Well, something I should have really brought up earlier but didn't is autism is relevant to this conversation and I'll, I'll tell you how so you know i'm an autistic person and there is there's been loads of scientific studies done which are really interesting that autistic people simply are not neurologically equipped to think supernaturally studies show that whereas neurotypical people might look at an event like a healing and try and think of a supernatural reason autistic people generally tend to think materialistically and naturalistically that definitely affects my approach to christianity so it's not even that i am deliberately rebelling against god it is that i physically cannot believe in supernaturalism because my brain is simply not wired that way so i'm just trying to find a form of christianity that is compatible with how i see the world and for me the christianity of john shelby spong it just works. Yeah, interesting. You know, I, when you brought that up, I was I was intrigued to to say, you know, I mean, for me, Christianity is about truth. You know, um, being able to accept miracles and 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 supernatural events is really like secondary. It's whether if God is is real to me, and if Christianity is true, and that's where I start. I can accept things a little bit easier once I believe it's true, you know. So even if those those miracles hinder me from thinking, uh, if it, it you know, or being skeptical, it's what do I have in my hand as knowing what is true or not, and can I accept this claim? after the fact of believing it's true. Does that make sense? Yeah, it, it's almost like presuppositionalism. 
not, 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 not quite. Not really. No, no, because I, I'm, I'm an evidential apologist. I'm a classical <laughs> apologist. So I believe that, and I, I use a, an accumulative case uh, methodology. So I take a little bit of, you know, all these evidences I think lead to God. I think all these evidences show that God is real. So uh, I can't, because I believe in God, I can't discount miracles. Mm-hmm. I can't discount the supernatural because if God's real, then the supernatural is possible, kind of like C.S. Lewis said. Mm-hmm. You know, so that's kind of where I'm coming from. So yeah. I would, um, I don't know if it was Hitchens who used to say this, but um, someone smarter than me, uh, their line was, I am so made that I cannot believe. Um, and I, uh, I was I was hearing that uh, when you were uh, speaking, Aaron, and I I would also echo that. Actually, uh, I'm not autistic as as far as I know, um, but I do feel that I am so made so that I cannot believe. Um, I uh, very Calvinistic of you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So I don't. I, you know, I understand the allure of believing in the supernatural because if you believe that the world is just not manageable that it's wrong in some way and that it's out of your control you'd like to think that there is something that can even the odds for you uh that there's you know some power that you can tap into uh that can work in your favor um so I, I understand that, and I, I don't um, I, I I'm not mocking uh, that impulse, but I have tried to believe it. You know, when I was a kid, I wanted to believe in Santa Claus. I don't think I ever believed it, but I sure wanted to. I I mean, I loved the idea of the the magic around Santa Claus. My favorite uh, Christmas. Uh, movie is uh, Polar Express. <laughs> Mine too. Uh, yeah, I, I love that. It's it's um, it it's not just about believing; it's about wanting to believe, <laughs> right? Um, and I felt like that uh, when I was a kid uh, about that story. But un- unlike the boy, I couldn't believe, and uh, the boy had to take a ride on a magical train. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things happened to him before he could believe the magical train never showed up at my door. Um, and so I could not uh, believe. And this is how it is with the God story for me, uh, not just the miracle parts, but because God himself is a supernatural being. Uh, he's, he's a part of it. And that train never showed up at my door. And so I tried to believe. I wanted to believe. I convinced myself that I believed but i don't i don't know that i ever did um i don't know that i could i everything that i could do to believe i did uh so we are we are in different but i think a similar place russell you can't not believe 
<laughs> and I don't discount I'm that already, either. I'm convinced. Right. I'm I convinced. mean, That's you, you yeah. can't not believe something you're convinced of. <laughs> so it's not even an option for you to not believe. Well, I mean, if you disprove it, then yeah. I, 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 I'm not even, I wouldn't I, even I, play the game of yeah. trying to disprove it for you. It's, it, there's, there's I mean, if there's, if you found evidence of, of if you actually found Jesus's tomb and, right. and found his bones, you know, I mean, un, un, I have no faith. Completely <laughs> yeah. unfalsifiable. Can't do it. This is what I don't. I don't even try. I don't play that game anymore. Um, whatever you say, uh, you know, if you could do this, then I would believe it's always something that I could never do. Um, the fact is, you can't not believe because you are convinced. I'm not. I'm not knocking you for that. I'm just acknowledging that we are so made uh, as we are that at this time in our lives, it would it would be an unreasonable act to believe other than what we do. And I don't know where to go from there. I don't know what to say about that, Aaron. I think that you put it um, better than anyone. And I'm curious to see uh, what the commenters uh, have to say about that. Because you sound like a person that if you could believe in the supernatural, you would happily embrace it. Oh, definitely. I spent 20 years earnestly trying. Right. Right. So, uh, me too. I spent, uh, heck, I spent longer than that. Um <laughs> Once again, I don't have anything like, oh, but I, I'm autistic, so I couldn't. I mean, that's that's beautiful. Um, I know. It's an excellent excuse. <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> I got nothing. Uh, all I can say is that the train never showed up for me. Um, and so with that, uh, I'm, I'm left with something to think about. I hope that uh, the audience is left with, um, you know, a new pre- appreciation of... Uh, people with perspectives that are uh, different from theirs. Um, Russell, I certainly um, hope that you realize that I've, uh, I have, at least for a very long time, recognized that uh, Christian belief is not something that they can just turn on and off. Can't, can't do it. Uh, you, can't, you can't flip your switch any more than I can. Uh, but we can talk about it, and maybe if there are some people out there who have the capability of flipping their switch, uh, maybe we can say something that helps them flip in the right direction. Uh, Aaron, I really appreciate the fact uh, that you struggle to really categorize yourself um, in in a particular camp, in that it's a journey for you, and that uh, despite your doubts, you are you are still a theology student right now. Uh, may we all continue to be students. Uh, of life. And so with that, let me tell you what's coming next week, uh, folks. It's not going to be a conversation nearly as uh, peaceful as this one. <laughs> it's going to get ugly. <laughs> I'm looking forward to it because I don't actually have to be the one to bring the mud and throw it. Um, so if you remember uh, last week's conversation, uh, we talked about God and country. Uh, the religion of poli- the politics of religion, the religion of politics. And uh, Russell and I had a kind of a high level uh, discussion on the role of um, political involvement uh, with regard to Christianity. Next week, uh, we, we have been contacted, <laughs> folks. We did, we did put the call out. Uh, if, if some people wanted to, to talk more specifically, on that subject and get into the, the weeds in that subject. Uh, we would allow it. We got that call. Uh, our friend Titus is going to come on the show and truly 
make uh, Russell's day bad because he is going to come on the show and agree with everything that I said last week. <laughs> and Titus is a Christian. Uh, and he's going to take it even further, even further. And he specifically wanted to have that conversation with another Christian who disagreed with me. Not hard to find. Teddy the bear is sharpening her claws. It's going to be great. And all we have to do, Russell, is just sit back and toss bits of red meat into the ring every now and then. It's going to be great. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh, also, it's going to be after the election. So so Teddy better. agrees with me and Titus with you. Gotcha. Yes. Yes. I'll be sure to I, I'll be sure to knock Titus out later. So here's the thing. <laughs> When Teddy agrees, no, I got some stuff. I got some. I got some stuff up my sleeve for Titus. But. When Teddy, when Teddy agrees with you, you have a problem. <laughs> you should, <laughs> you, you should re-examine your position. Be nice to Teddy. Teddy's a wonderful. Lady. I'm always nice to Teddy. That is nice. That's that's nothing like what I could have said. <laughs> Let me tell you something about Teddy. Teddy doesn't Teddy want you to be nice, nice to her. <laughs> she. She, this is not who she is at all. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, mostly because uh, I've got a week where I really don't have to do any preparation, and I'm not going to do any preparation. I'm just going to bait the bear <laughs> and watch the carnage. And uh, the I hope Titan versus the bear, right? <laughs> yeah, we should yeah. we should get it. We should get a We should get a uh, thumbnail for that. Hey, that's all. That's all you, man. <laughs> um, so uh, with that in mind that's coming up next week folks uh, so uh, your cries have been heard uh, round two is coming and it will be even more exciting than the first round uh, hopefully before this season is over we will have uh, Aaron again Aaron I would not throw you into the kind of discussion that's going to happen next week <laughs> but I hope you listen to next week's discussion so you can see exactly what I'm sparing you from is it going to be like the slavery one? The slavery one is absolute carnage. Yeah, <laughs> I think it will. <laughs> I think so. Now, look, if you want that kind of battle, there are one or two shows left in the season where I think it's going to be like that. <laughs> Glad to have you on. But uh, Sounds fun. Oh, boy. <laughs> Who wants to pair up with Aaron? Uh, you know where to go. Skeptics and Seekers dot squarespace.com by the way we started this discussion a little bit at the beginning of the show how did Erin and i meet well Erin uh, sent me an email uh she sent it to skeptics and seekers dot uh gmail.com no that's wrong skeptics and seekers <laughs> at gmail.com skeptics at gmail.com she just sent me an email out of the blue just out of the blue uh she had some complimentary things to say and said you know i i believe this i would love to talk about this on the show and i said great let's do it it was it was it not that simple, Aaron? Yep. It was that simple. simple. It's this is really how it's done. I'll say yes to anybody. <laughs> although although David's lack of communication skills pushed us back another week. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. And we so. had Aaron we had Aaron emailing us early in the morning to say, Hey, are we going on? And I'm I'm like, Oh no. I wasn't, wasn't going to talk back. about that part. Uh, Aaron yeah, was supposed to be am. with I us had to last call you out week. A little bit. <laughs> she was supposed to be with us last week, and then stuff happened, and then she wasn't. Yeah. She, <laughs> she's with us today. Uh, I have had uh, some requests from other people, and I've said, yeah, let's get uh, together. And you haven't seen them because we haven't been able to make scheduling work. There may be one or two situations where it's happened, and 
stuff happens, and then I forgot, and then the email got buried in hundreds of other emails, and I just forgot. If if you are one of those people who have emailed me before about being on the show, email me again. I forget stuff. Um, I I don't have a secretary. <laughs> my my dog, he was my secretary, but I only discovered last week that he can't read. Uh, so <laughs> he's fired. Uh, there's there's a bit of a backlog now, so there's there's stuff that uh, you know has has slipped through. It's really that easy. Skepticsseekers uh, at gmail dot com. I want to hear from you. Uh, join the comments. Skepticsandseekers.squarespace.com. dot com. Go through the back catalogs. A lot of fun. Uh, and with that, we will say good day and adieu. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, folks. Oh yeah, the YouTube channel. Oh, what's that behind you? Apollo, Apollo, what's your I can't. apologetics? Apologetics. No, that's what is it that says. what it says? Okay, it don't does. you don't you have a show that's like apologetics and apostasy? I do, and I yeah. want to see what? if I want to see if Aaron wants to come on and and defend her uh, uh, view here. If she would, if she's a debater, if what's, she's just what's the name of yeah. your show? It's would you proselytize or apostatize? Yeah, apologetics and apostasy. Ooh, yeah, I don't know what it is. Proselytize or apostatize. But yeah, so yeah, it would be fun. And subscribe to the YouTube channel, folks, because, you know, it helps us know who's actually committed to watching the show. <laughs> Aaron, I always forget to ask my guests uh, to plug things. It's it's not because I don't want you plugging things on my show. I just forget. What are you, what are you doing these days that uh, people need to know about or how can they uh, reach you if they want to? Uh, well, my website is erinburnettauthor.co.uk, and that's where I put all my nonsense up. Okay. Do you have Do you have some books that you want to talk about, or some papers, or? I, I do. Yeah. Well, I've only got one book, and it's it's for children. But if you have children, buy my book. Um, and yeah, I also publish a few things. A lot of it is about autism and Christianity. Some of it is about radical Christianity. Yeah, just whatever I'm interested in at the minute, I put up. So what's the and you have a YouTube channel too, right? Oh, I do. Yeah, there's barely anything on it, but yeah, I think it's also <laughs> it's also Aaron Burnett author. So what's what's the one about uh, for children? Uh, you know, my 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 first uh, doubts about uh, God. You know, what what are we what are we have? My first atheist <laughs> experience. Uh, uh, it's, it's not like I haven't thought about writing that book myself. What what is yours though? I I, I suspect well, no, it's not that. <laughs> Oh, no, I, I actually wrote the book when I was still an evangelical, so sorry to disappoint. Um, it's a fantasy novel with a Christian message, so it's kind of like Narnia, but not as good. I <laughs> it's see. the best way to describe it. All right. Uh, that's that's true of a lot of books. <laughs> it's it's kind of like Narnia, but not as good. All right. Uh, so now that we've got the plugs out of the way, look, it's uh, once again been truly delightful. Uh, next week is going to be uh, a lot of fun. I consider it a break because I'm literally going to do nothing. Um, and uh, Aaron, uh, look forward to seeing you on David's show. I've got some other friends in the podcast world who might want you uh, talk to you as well. I bet they do. Uh, so hope to see you in the Skeptics and Seekers slash Reason Press slash Apostasy um, podcast group. <laughs> and uh, with that, uh, everyone have a great week. Bye.